welcome to the Man Enough Podcast. I am Justin Baldoni. And I am Jamie Heath. Jamie Heath. Justin, um, we're talking to your daddy today. I have not talked to my dad about the book since he's read it, but he just got to read it for the first time. And I want to know what he really thought. I want to know what he really thought of the book. I want to know if he disagreed with stuff. I want to know if I have revisionist history and... You know, me being, me having wounds from childhood, maybe misinterpreted things. What I'm interested in you to do, because I know that you love your pops so much, and I also know there's some challenges. Mm. You know, with me, I had a conversation with my father a couple years ago, the first time in my whole life, where I shared with him my real truth. Yeah. And I broke down, and he received it, um, and I gave him some instructions on what I needed from him. And, um, and when I had done that, it was super healing for me mm -hmm. and for him. And I think a lot of men could benefit from that. I want to know like what he didn't like about my book. I can't wait to know what he didn't like about your book. That's that's the stuff I want to know. Yeah, because well, I mean, you, I'm sure you have 75 things you, you didn't like. Oh, wait, have you even read it? Read have book. you even read the Oh wait, Jamie Heath hasn't even read the book. I've read the book. <laughs> You're with <laughs> Justin Baldoni and Jamie Heath. Liz Plank is gonna join us later on. Um, we're about to get in it with Sam Baldoni. My Justin's daddy. daddy. Um, if you like, you know what you hear later on, subscribe at all the places that you get podcasts. And on the website, manenough.com slash podcast. Oh, and I was going to say that. Manenough.com slash podcast. And we are Man Enough on Instagram, Facebook, and all the other we places. Are. Hey, uh, guys. All right. We'll see you in a second we'll with, uh, with my dad. Welcome back to the Man Enough Podcast. I am Justin Baldoni, and today I am joined by my dad, Sam Baldoni. <laughs> Are you nervous? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> it's not every day I'm, you know, at a microphone with 500 cameras on me. It's weird, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we did it once before. Yeah, we did. I, uh, it was like almost impossible for me to think about my journey and this podcast and the book and reaching men and all the things I want to do without sitting down and talking to my dad. Because as we know, those of us who are privileged enough to have dads tend to learn masculinity from their dads, who learn it from their, their dads. dads and who learn it from their dads. And of course, coupled with socialization and all of the things we know. And, uh, and I, I thought it was really interesting last night that you texted me. You said you were a little nervous. And I felt like that was really sweet. Like that you were like, I don't know, I've seen you kind of like evolve a bit as I've been on my journey, right? To like kind of break through all my shit and figure yeah. out what's going on. I've seen you kind of like start to open up more to me. And it, like whenever you send me a text like that, you're like, I'm a little nervous, son. I'm like, wow, that's like, that's my dad who was never nervous or who was always perfect and stuff like that. And I just, and I just want to say, I want to say thank you and also thank you for letting me write stuff that wasn't necessarily comfortable for you and allowing your son to go on a journey publicly that may have made you feel bad at times because I needed to do that for like my own journey as a man and like for my own healing and that takes like a lot of strength like that's not an easy thing and I just I want to thank you for it and for being willing to talk about it. 
Well, I'm really happy to be here and I'm happy you're on this journey because your journey has helped me be more open and it's freed me in a way of a lot of the baggage I've carried on my life. Being able to talk openly about issues and about problems and about being able to, you know, be honest about things. When before I've, you know, as you know, I kept everything inside and, and it wasn't good. Yeah. But your journey has opened me up. So, but I still keep things inside. I applaud you. You know, we're opening up, we're revolving. So on this journey that you're on, I'm kind of on it too. I'm piggybacking you. Yeah. And so when you have something that you reach and then you end up bringing it to me in some form or another, that gives me an opportunity to, to talk to you and to, you know, to, to maybe understand what you're going through because of what I went through. So you've been learning a lot from um, my journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really been amazing. How's it been for you and mom? Good. Because we talk more freely about things than we used to. And like, you know, I never talked about finances with mom and that was my own problem because my dad never talked about finances with my mom that I know of because I never heard them talk about anything that seemed like it was related to, 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 to money. So I felt like I had to do it all and I knew it all and gosh, I didn't. Hmm. And the best part of my life was realizing that I had a partner and part of that came from you, that I had a partner that I should talk to, that I need to talk to. And, and that really opened up a lot between mom and I, and we were able to, you know, to actually get through things together. So one of the things I'm learning as a parent is just how important it's going to be for me one day to acknowledge that I contributed to messing up my kids, that I did things unknowingly or knowingly, consciously or unconsciously, that contributed to like their suffering. So they're gonna grow up one day and Maxwell and Maya might say to me like, dad, you really messed me up. And I think every part of us as parents wants to remind them like all the good things that we did. And you and I had private conversations where I was really angry and I would tell you things. And at first you were very much, you were like defensive about it because I think it hurt you so much that I was struggling with like how I was raised. There was even times when you were like, but I did all this good stuff. And I've realized like that's especially when Emily, my wife or another woman tells me something, I'm like, but I did this or what about this, right? It's, I think we even do that as white people with racism. Like that's a very typical male response to feedback. But you've been able to recently switch and hold it a lot more which is why like i want to just go back to saying like you being here right now means so much to me because it's not easy it requires a lot of strength and i believe bravery to come and sit on your son's podcast after he just wrote a book about how in many ways he's fucked up <laughs> and how a lot of that came <laughs> thank from you, you dad <laughs> and to be sit here and to be man enough to have a conversation about it despite the mistakes, despite the stuff that your dad taught you that you then taught me, despite all of that stuff, you're an amazing dad. And I'm so grateful for you. I just need you to hear that. I hear it.
because nothing is, I don't believe anything is black and white. Just because I have resentment or I have this or I have that doesn't mean it's all bad. But to have the space to process my versions of trauma and to process like what I've been experiencing as a kid and what I experienced as an adult is such a gift that you've given me. And I hope you will give other people and other men by allowing me to do that. So thank you. Now, <laughs> I love you, son. I love you, daddy. So what I do want to talk about is you and I have not talked about my book. So like I wrote it and I think you were really afraid to read it. Um, the first, like when I wrote the, the, the first draft of it and I sent it to you, you kind of really didn't read it. You like kind of skimmed through it a little bit, right? No, I actually read it. You did read I it? I did. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but you never talked to me about it. So here's right. the thing. You read it. But you never called me. You never picked up the phone and said like, hey, son. It was like silent. I didn't know what to say. Honestly, I didn't know what to say. I do now know what to say, yeah. which is I'm totally blown away by your openness and your honesty and how tough it must have been to write some of the things that you wrote about, you know, to, 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 to expose that side of you that, you know, people all kind of hold within themselves and don't ever talk about. So it was almost like you didn't know, like it made, it made you uncomfortable. So you didn't know how to talk to me about my stuff. Yeah, I, I, that's true. That's Cause, true. Cause, cause, cause I mean, cause the fact is right. Like you and I have a great relationship. Like we have, I think, I think for onlookers, I think many men are envious and jealous of our relationship as a father and son. But like what I say to people is like, yes, but it's not as deep as it could be. And like my perfect example of that is like a lot, most of what I think I write about, you don't know about. So like part of my writing was cathartic because I'm, I'm like talking about stuff that I've never even shared with you. I know. And that's that was what also, I, that's, that's what also what, you know, was also heartbreaking for me was cause like, I, I don't want Maxwell to feel like he can't share with me like the things that I couldn't share with you and I don't know where that dialogue starts or ends and I don't know whose fault it is or if it needs a fault but there's something there is something that almost prevents it like this intimacy at least between you and me and I don't know I can't speak for other men and their fathers or boys and their dads but but there was something that prevented me from being fully open and sharing with you right and I have to believe that part of that was because you didn't share with me and I feel like that's a two-way street and mm. you're the dad yeah so like if my dad doesn't have any problems if my dad is perfect if my dad is a superhero if my dad handles everything and everything is good and doesn't and he's never suffering and like he doesn't have any like idiosyncrasies that you know make yeah. him a flawed human then then there's no safe space for me to be that mm -hmm. right and I think that what's happened for me and this is also therapy is I've like kind of been forced to become perfect. So when it's when I'm around family, I am like impenetrable and a wall and perfect because I need to be that because that's what you were. That's what you were. I've like become you in so many ways. Yeah. When in reality, and what breaks my heart for so many men in 
America is that there's an entire relationship that we are not getting a chance to have with our dads. That it's not until they die, you die, that we realize how much we didn't share with each other, how much we didn't really know about our dads, how much we wish we could have gotten closer. And I mean, and that's for those of us who actually like our dads. You've always been there so much. And yet there's an intimacy that's lacking that I can't be the only one that feels. It's like, and I talk about masculinity and the perfect example for me of like, if I were going to describe this mythical thing of masculinity, it would be the invisible barrier that I feel with you that makes it hard for us to just sit and look at each other's eyes. That makes it hard for us to like hold each other or like for me to like put my head on your lap like I used to when I was a little boy. What is that thing? When does it start? When was it created? Who created it? What is the thing that makes it so hard for you to share your weaknesses with your boy growing up? What made you have to be perfect? What made you have to keep everything from mom? That thing, that invisible thing is is masculinity for me. And it's it's not up it's it's often not until someone passes away that you realize that, man, I didn't really get to know my dad. I wish I could ask him all those questions. So here we are. So I want to start with this. In my book. So you read my book. Yeah. What surprised you? What did you not know? Well, the whole the whole porn thing was something I didn't know. You and mom had no idea. No. That I was like that that computer was I'd sneak out at night and look at porn. Mm-mm. No. Um, and really back then, I mean, when you, when you were in the, on the computer, there wasn't a way to track it. I wouldn't even think of tracking it. I just get on the, you know, my computer and go and do whatever I did, but I never thought of you doing that. Um, but you know, that's, and the way you got into it was very interesting too. Yeah. You know, that, that whole part of the story I thought was very interesting. And, and these were people that quote unquote were very spiritual and et cetera. And, and, and in fact, um, they didn't want you because they thought you were a bad influence. Yeah. So what, for anybody, if you haven't read the book, basically I was introduced to pornography when I was 10 years old and by two very, very, uh, spiritual, well, they were, you know, by a family who had, who had two kids, two twins who came from a spiritual family and they were complaining that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't mm-hmm. spiritual enough. Like I was a bad influence on them. That you you were a bad yeah. influence. When in reality, like they were the ones that influenced me. And right? they hurt. That hurt us. Yeah. That really hurt your mom and I because we couldn't figure out what they were talking about because we yeah. felt that you were, you know, very. Well, I was a bad influence on a lot of kids. Yeah. I was not a great influence, I'm sure, because I was acting out. But the point is, is so you read all this, you learn that I've had like you know a struggle with it, for you know, since I was 10, 11 years old, you know, you never talked to me about sex. Yeah, I know. Why? I guess I didn't know how. Um, my dad never talked to me about sex. I don't, never, never occurred to me that, uh, that it was something that we needed to broach unless the time came that we actually were able to do that. Um, I but think- like, but I was like, girls were like hanging out in my room and like, you know, when I was in high school and like, yeah. You know, I started, I went through puberty. Like I went through all of that and nobody talked to me about sex. I know that's really awful. And I really should have, I know. So what is that like to know now that I am in some ways suffering 
from things you never talked to me about. Like, I'm just curious, like, what, like, when well, you, you know, read that, that like, that's, it's painful. It is painful. And I think that when, when you realize that there was no reason not to, and you have to really want to make it happen. And, and honestly, I, I think that we just push things back because we don't know how to approach certain things. And I think that today and what you're going through and, and, and the therapy that we've all been going through has been helping us give us tools to, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can say that. And, oh, I can, if I just listen more, I'll be much better off and not, you know, jump in and try to defend myself. Absorb things. But these are tools that you can learn um, that I never had access to. And during my growing up, if you saw a, you know, a, a, a counselor or, or a, a psychologist, you were crazy. Mm. You know, people didn't go to therapy. So there was a stigma around therapy. There was a stigma around you, There was therapy. something broken or wrong with you if you went to therapy. Something seriously wrong with you. So is that, why, is that why you never went? I never even thought about it because I always thought that I was fine. Because I didn't realize that all these things were going on in my life that I was hiding or avoiding or whatever because there was no there was nothing to 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 guide me there but and thinking back when you were talking earlier i was thinking about the things that i didn't talk to my dad about right. and the things i wished i would have talked to him about to get to to know him better and to you know and i always thought that it was because my dad was much older what did you guys never talk about what did you wish you talked about with him i, I wish we had talked about Sex? Sex. That would have been pretty cool. This is the craziest thing ever because we've never talked about it. But I was introduced to porn at the age of 10. Oh, you were? I was. At the age of 10, a friend of mine, um, I became friends with this kid who lived around the corner from us. And I would stay over at his house and his dad would show us film. And we'd actually watch. They had, they had porns back then. Yeah, yeah. they were they were eight millimeter. Oh my god! Yeah, actual films. I mean, it might not have been you know exactly what you were watching. So his dad was showing you this. His stuff? dad showed us this. as like a as like sex education or pride or what? It's like, hey boys, check this out. <laughs> I really don't remember that part because it was so weird. But yeah, there is was... that? I mean, is is that like? That feels a little sketchy. Feels like was there anything weird happen? No, nothing never... weird. No, 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 nothing weird ever happened. It was just just weird watching family entertainment. That's... I mean, I don't know. And his mom was there too. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pretty crazy. And you were ten. I was ten. I never told anybody about it. Certainly didn't talk to my dad about it. Didn't talk to my mom about it. Hey, you know what I did over at Ronnie's house? And I stopped going there after a while. I just oh, good. That's, stopped going. Yeah, but still, but that's the thing is when you're 10, I mean, this is when we're sponges. We absorb things. That's how we learn behaviors. Did you and mom ever have like sneaking suspicions about anything that I was like dealing, doing or dealing with that like you're like, oh, should we talk to him about it? Like, did you guys ever go that deep or was that just not? Or were you just kind of so focused on your own stuff that, like, you didn't think about that? 
No, I don't think we ever really talked about what you were going through sexually. Or like, no, even the way my body works or like, you're going to get erections and then this is what it's like, or this is uncomfortable. Like I put a story in the book about, uh, you know, having an erection in front of, <laughs> in front of one of my aunts. That was Susie. Yeah, that was Aunt Susie. But nobody ever, did she talk to you about that? No. That's the thing. It's like, so if, so it's almost she like. She might have, but I, you know, I don't. I, that's a hard story to forget. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's the point is like, we, you've now read this book. You've heard all these things now. And that's still probably not all of it. Do, do you feel like you want a second shot? Like you want to get to know me in that intimate way more? Like you want to have those conversations? Because I know that I desire that from you. Like I want to know those things. I want to know the stuff that like you don't tell people. Like I think that's the only way we can become truly intimate you know, I've is been, by being vulnerable. I've been thinking about it even before I read your book. I've been thinking about all the things that we haven't talked about. You know, um, some things that, that, you know, you may be feeling or I may be feeling, but we just don't talk about them, you know, like aging. Yeah. You know? I'm getting gray hair now. See what it's like? A lot, <laughs> but a lot sooner than you got it, right? And what's aging? Like, we don't talk about no, it. No, we don't. There are things that are happening in my life and mom's life and that will ultimately happen to you. So these are things that we should be discussing. You talk about your pains and your aches and your back and this and that, and and it gets more and more as you get older. But you have helped me a lot because you keep me moving, you know, and movement is real important and stretching is real important. And these are things that that I'm I'm learning and and figuring out what I'm I need to do about. Is there something that you haven't asked me that you want to ask me? Like, are there things that you think about when you go to sleep at night? They're like, ah, oh, I want to talk to Justin about that. Ah, oh, I wish I could talk to my son about that. But you don't. You know, the only thing that I've wrestled with over the years, and and I think it's our relationship when it comes to, to business mm. and when it comes to, you know, to, um, you've always wanted to make sure that Everybody knew that you made it on your own, that, you know, that, that, you know, uh, that you didn't, I guess that, that was something that you, you know, this is part of maybe being in sports or whatever. Um, but it always kind of, kind of affected me. And it was like, you know, I've just, all I've done as a father was whatever I could to, to help you. Mm. So I didn't want ever anybody to think that I've done anything that, to help you, but you always wanted to make sure of that. And that kind of bothered me. It was like, I wonder why? I wonder why Justin wants to make sure that that everybody knows that he did everything on his own. Mm. You know, and it just, you know, it's like. And I think growing up in a small town and, and having like this illusion that you were this big Hollywood guy created this want for me to make sure that everybody knew that I was my own person, right? Mm. I was bullied also because we appeared to have all have all this money or we appeared to be rich we appeared you know you were in the business and when you live in a small town in oregon and you're you know you're working in la you think that it's something that's not and so i think that there's this part of me as a kid that was like i don't want it like i don't want i want to separate myself from my dad and i think every i think every son probably to a certain extent feels that i think if you would have become a politician you would have wanted to know that you were a politician because you were good enough not because your dad's your dad helped you and there was nepotism and I think that's how I felt. I think I was like, 
you know, you didn't teach me how to act. You didn't teach me how to direct. You didn't teach me how to do any of the things I had to teach myself. However, yeah, the true story was I was broke as shit in an abusive relationship with a girl when I was 18 years old and I needed money and I called you and I said, I need money. And you called your buddy and you found a way to get me an, to be an extra on Charmed. And I was an extra on Charmed for three days. I made like 1200 bucks and I got my SAG card. That's how I got into the business. Had you not done that, there's no chance I'd be in the business. But part of me was also like, you're my dad. That's your job. <laughs> it's your job to do whatever you can to do is. to help your son, right? So I think that there felt like this stickiness, like this, like this um, enmeshment, right? Where in some ways I was living out also one of your dreams and I felt like I wanted to free myself of that. But we never talked about it. I was suffering. We never talked about anything. You're my dad, I, you know, and I was having resentment for all the stuff we don't talk about and all the feelings that I had. I'm trying to explore masculinity and what it means to be a man and like break free of my father to become who I am and realizing in the process that I don't know anything about myself or my dad because I've never been taught to ask questions. I've never been taught to, to figure out what it means to be a man. I only know what you taught me, what the world teaches me and what your dad taught you. And that's kind of why I'm here. So yeah, we didn't talk about it. But there was absolutely resentment that I felt over the years. And the journey I'm on right now is figuring out how to love you for you. How to love mom for mom. And be okay with saying, okay, the circle of life is such that, you know what? I'm so blessed that I am in a place of privilege and success. And I couldn't have gotten here without my dad. For years, I just wanted a dad. I didn't want a business partner. I didn't want to talk about work. I didn't want to talk about movies or TV or work or, or success. Or I didn't want to be told I was proud of when something great happened in public. I just wanted my daddy. And I think that's something that a lot of men experience and don't know what to do with. Because, because you were my superhero. And yet in reality, if I could have known you weren't perfect from the start, my expectation would have been such that like, oh yeah, so I can be not perfect. I can be imperfect and then we can do it together. And I think that that's the beauty. It's like, you know, it's like the, the roomy quote, like the wound is where the light enters you. The wound is where our relationship starts. Um, anyways. Well, I'm, I'm really happy that you asked me the question because it was something that's been on my mind and I've been really meaning to talk to you about. I think the issue was dad is that I felt like you needed stuff from me. And I think that's a tricky place for a kid to be in with a parent yeah. to feel like, oh, my parents need something from me. My dad needs something from me. And all you want to do is figure out how to be your own person. And that need, I think, is where that, where that enmeshment comes in. So now as an adult, like I just I feel like I need to make sure that I'm taking care of my dad or my mom. I need to make sure that I'm taking care of people. It's like what, what I do. Yeah. And I want to break free of that, too. You need to. I need to. I want to. I need to choose to. I choose to. You know, so in the book, I talk about a conversation that you and I had. I said, hey, did Grandpa Louie ever tell you that he loved you? And you said. No, I can't remember him ever really saying I love you. And that was heartbreaking to me. Yeah. And he told Nana, your mom, that he was proud of you. But he never told you that he was proud of you. No, I never heard that. And it was interesting to hear that he told Nana that that uh, he was very proud of me. He knew that one day I'd be very successful and he wouldn't see that day, but she would. Mm. Do you, like, how did that influence how you raised me? 
Is that why you tell me I love you like a hundred times a day? Well, <laughs> I think I was as a child um, with dad being away a lot, a lot. Um, and me, you know, developing as a young man and trying to fit in with other kids and, and playing sports and not having, you know, not having your father ever be there was very hard. And I felt very alone. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no idea. Well, and I, and basically not like you, I hid it. I hid that feeling. Um, you know, my dad was always older, so it, he felt like he felt like a grandfather at times, you know. And one time, I remember, I got a, I went to a doctor, and I and and I and I got a vaccination, I think. And we walked out of the doctor's office, and I fainted right in front of the elevator. Hmm. And I remember, I remember waking up. And, and someone was there saying, you know, move over, old man. Let me take care of this. And I said, he's not an old man. He's my dad. Mm. And uh, so I always felt that because he was older, he couldn't really be there for me. So I kind of pushed it out. Mm. And I think that Because of that, I always wanted to be <laughs> there for you. Mm. I didn't want to be the old man. Well, you're clearly not because you're 72 and you look amazing. <laughs> you never told me that. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting how much we take our wounds and then we kind of heal ourselves as we're raising our children. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm doing a very similar thing with Maxwell and that I'm, I'm like reminding him of all the things that maybe I didn't get reminded of. Right. it's like we, and that's how every generation gets better. But I really appreciate you sharing that with me, daddy. I wish I could have met Grandpa. I wish you could have too. Um, he was a good man. I'm sorry. He never told you I love you. Yeah. I know he did, though. I know he did. But anyway, now I'm hoping to use all of the things that I'm learning because of you to be a great, better grandfather. You're a great grandfather. Jamie, you had a question. You just jumped in here. Hey, I'm listening to you guys. And um, Sam, I love you, brother. I love you, too. Um, because you're sitting across this man, your son, and he's um, pointing out some things that um, you could receive um, as uh, um, some sort of weakness of you, about you, that you didn't protect him or didn't do better, better job. So <clears throat> I have a question about that. Does that, in terms of, you know, redefining masculinity or undefining it, as we say, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel weak when your son tells you, oh, you should have done this or you didn't do this for me. And now as a result, I ended up turning to porn. And how does that affect my life now? 
in my marriage and how I walk through the world. Does it make you feel weak? Does it make you feel less of a man? Or does it make you, well, how does it make you feel? Are you okay to share that? Yeah. Um, I don't think it makes me feel less of a man. I don't think anything makes you feel less of a man. I think that, that it makes me understand more of what happened in the past and what, and what I am the way I am. I think that it, it opens up my, my feelings about you know, who I am and why I am the way I am. Mm. I don't think that it, it doesn't make me feel less. It but helps fir- me. But at first, I think it was hard. Of course. At first, I feel like, because I remember you got really defensive at first when I started like exploring this with you guys at first. Well, because we weren't open. Yeah. Because we didn't know how to be open. And yeah, I mean, it was like feeling it, like you're attacked mm-hmm. for something. But now I realize that it's not an attack. It's a, it's being honest and open and, and brave to talk about the things that you talk about. That's why I think it's great that you're, you're demonstrating and saying yeah, that because a so lot of important. men and a lot of fathers would not be able to do that possibly. I oh. want to be the kind of father you want. You need to be better than Sam. That's, all, and that's, that's not saying Sam wasn't great. You have to because Maxwell yeah. has to be better than you. Yeah. My kids need to be better than me, right? We have to grow this ever advancing civilization. The only way to do that is to have like to be better than our fathers. So what are ways that you think Justin is better than you? Oh my gosh. Justin is far better than me as a father. He's there. He, he's, I, I, I see him talking to Maya because Maya's five now, almost six. And he's, he's, I feel like he's learned so much about psyche and about the, you know, child development Mm. that he can, he can talk to her and ask her questions and, and get, you know, responses. And I think that he's getting deep in that. And I think that's real important. And, and when he sees her acting out, he jumps in and it's not. I mean, he, he corrects the things that, that she needs to understand, but not through discipline, but through conversation and through, you know, the ability to, to, to be able to talk to her in a way that she'll understand. And I, I, I just think that I love, the, I love what you're going through and I love what you've been through because your kids are going to be, I believe... Um, <clears throat> very stable, very stable, um, and and good human beings. I think you're a great human being, um, and I know that that we didn't talk like you're talking now, but you've got the tools, and the way you do it is is incredible. And I'm so impressed with you as a father. You got those tears, baby. Okay, let me flip it. What are ways as as his father, as a father to us boys that are learning from our daddies, what are ways that you think he could be better? Well, I've warned him about one thing and I'll continue to warn him about one thing. 
and that's not spending enough time with his kids and 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 Emily because it that's what happens to us when we get really involved in our work because our work and Justin knows this now because he's got pressures with finance he's got pressures with all these other things in life but the one thing that's the most important is right here right here and and what you do with those kids and and I, uh, and so that's that's my biggest my biggest thing that I have what have you learned from your father but that you know you have to do better mm. well there's a few things but it doesn't mean that he's a bad dad number nope. one uh i need maxwell to see me as fully human I need Maxwell to see me fail. I need Maxwell and Maya, by the way. And then we're saying Maxwell because I think you're talking about being father. He's going to grow up to be a father, maybe, if he chooses to yeah, be one. Yeah, Maya day, too, if of that's course. What he I'm wants. talking about boys, though. But um, I think both of them, and it's also especially true for my daughter, seeing me not be perfect and seeing me and Emily, me and their mother have conversations and then explain to them why we're angry and explain to them the things that we're feeling. Um, I think it will create a level of intimacy that we haven't had a chance to have. Um, something, honestly, that you did so well with your kids. It's really beautiful, Jamie. The way you are with your kids is so beautiful. And I think it's because they've seen you screw up so many times. Um, so many times. And publicly and and with their mom and divorces and all these things. And they've had no choice except to acknowledge you for who you are. And then they've seen you come back for it and from it. They've seen you take steps to rectify situations and to bring your family together and to heal and to make amends and to do all the things that you've done. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to see my brokenness and to recognize that I am not super human. I'm not perfect. I'm not and permeable, I feel. And also the other thing is that I think, Dad, you we're really good at expressing emotion. We're really good. Like we've cried a bunch of times today. Yeah. Today is a rare example for us in our life of of emotion and vulnerability meeting. Vulnerability is the thing that can be used against you. The thing that that makes you feel like you're less of a man, like you're not man enough. And that's what I desire. That's what I want my kids. That's what I want to have with my kids because if we have vulnerability with each other, then there's safeness. And if we feel safe, then I think we can feel intimate. And intimacy between a father and a son is us being together and me just wanting to like put my head in your lap. That 10 year old. I feel like a little boy. Yeah. Because sometimes as a man, I just don't feel like a boy. And I don't have anywhere to go. And I don't want to put that on my wife. I don't want it to be my wife's job to make me feel like a man. And while I still have you here, thank God I do. I'm so privileged at 37 to have you here. I don't want to spend the next however many years like not feeling close to you. There's a difference between feeling close to you in proximity and feeling close to you um, emotionally. And that's what I desire. And if I can do that, and if I can model that for my kid, then that's all I want. I want my kids to feel close to me. 
Well, my other question was going to be, what is something about your dad that you are most proud of that you take on as a father? Um, Me? But I think you shared a little bit of it just then. What I admire so much about you is the fact that you're here and that you show up even if it hurts. You let your son write about you. You let your son do a TED Talk in front of millions of people. There's 2,000 women in that audience. And to say some of the things that weren't great and you were okay with it. And so despite all of the resentment, to me, at the end of the day, that's what it means to be man enough. That's what you're doing right now. You were nervous. You texted me last night. You came here. You knew it wasn't going to be easy. We're going to talk about stuff. And you showed up anyways. And you listened. Because I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Daddy. All right, we're gonna we're gonna hug and take a break, and we'll be right back with uh, with Liz Plank. This is Man Enough. Ah. Hello, and welcome back to Man Enough. I'm Justin Baldoni, and uh, we have with us Jamie Heath, and are joined now by the wonderful Liz Plank. Mm. Uh, <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> How are you feeling? Oh, man. That was, you know, I'm really grateful. Mm -hmm. I don't think many men get to have that conversation. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. He's a really amazing guy. I'm blessed. Mm. Uh, okay, take it away, guys. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm giving this one to you. <laughs> I'm giving it to. Uh, I'm giving this one oh, to Liz. Right. I do well, have a couple uh, questions for you, Liz. But first, I want to. First, I want to hear just what you felt or what you thought or any reflections you may have had. Yeah. Well, that. I have a dad. I'm not a dad. I'm, I'm the the one non dad person uh, in this episode. So here's my here's my perspective. First of all, I agree that most people don't unfortunately have that kind of intimate conversation with their fathers. And in, in my book, I talk a lot about how Andrew Plank, my father, uh, was an incredibly nurturing father. And I just thought that was like normal. I just thought that was all dads uh, would um, make. Like, for example, I had an obsession with monkeys. Um, and so I had 46 stuffed monkeys. And obviously, I had favorites. And so uh, Pokey and Emma were my two, like, we were buds and every night my dad would make my monkey emma talk and it was this beautiful and he would read me a story he would read me dr seuss and we had this beautiful beautiful uh loving relationship and then i would date men who would become obsessed with my dad and say and and, and it kind of surprised me but then i realized oh they don't have they one. don't they have don't, that yeah they don't have they don't have that. an andrew plank in their lives um, Which and, made it that much harder when you broke up with them. Yes, because th they were with me dad for was, my dad. Yeah. <laughs> was, was dad still like talking to your ex-boyfriend? Some of them. This is uh, I've never. Some of them would email him, and then it bothered me. And so I told him, "You can't email my ex." Like, well, the nice ones you can email back, but not the ones we don't like anymore. So he, uh, but yes, he got like detailed emails from wow. yeah, more than one of my exes. So. Um, but here's the thing I was also thinking about, right? During this conversation, something that I, again, talk a lot about in the fatherhood chapter is how fatherhood and involved fatherhood is actually how I believe we complete the gender revolution, right? 
that we have this amazing uh, moment in time right now for the last few years where we've really encouraged women to take more assertive roles in the workplace. We've had uh, lean in, many problems, many issues with, uh, and we can have a whole separate uh, episode about that. But we've, yeah, we've encouraged women to be, you know, you can be a mom, you can uh, be nurturing and yeah. loving, but you can also be a boss at work. Mm -hmm. And I think that we haven't necessarily encouraged men to complete the gender revolution in the sense of you can be a boss at work and you can be a badass dad, right? And so I think a lot about then who fills the gap, right? Um, when there is that absence of fatherhood and how women end up, you know, having to fill that gap very often. And then mm. I also think about how that gap is unequal in our society, right? So there's a lot of data around particularly how mass incarceration impacts mm. girls and boys differently, mm. right? And particularly, as we know, mass incarceration heavily impacts uh, black and brown communities. And so there are a lot of studies about black and brown children and how they're impacted. And girls, of course, are impacted when their father is incarcerated, but not as much as uh, boys are. So we, we really see that, that change in, in the data. And then we also see this really stunning data um, that really shows how not just mass incarceration, but racism really operates in American society where black boys who are legit raised by millionaires, okay, have the same likelihood of being incarcerated as a white boy raised in, in a household income that's basically below the poverty line at $36,000, right? So when we think about fatherhood, right, when we think about how some men aren't able to father their children in the way that they want to, there's a conversation around masculinity in terms of vulnerability, emotional availability, but this it's also a conversation, it's also a policy conversation, right? It's also a conversation about mass incarceration and how um, when we imprison fathers, they can't father. And that creates a self-fulfilling prophecy for all boys in America. I think 91% of parents who are currently in jail are fathers. So I think it's important to, 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 yeah, talk about how this is also a conversation about inequality. This is also a conversation about privilege. This is also a conversation about race, right? That all these things intersect. And if we had a society where men were able to father in all the ways that they want to and could, we'd be living in a fundamentally, you know, different world. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you are, we already said it. Um, so, so happy you're a part of this. <laughs> Thank you for all that, Liz. Um, I, I was thinking uh, two things. One is I'm really thrilled that you guys had that open conversation because we have to continue to learn how to be fathers, to be our best versions of being a father. Yeah. Um, and we can't do that if we don't reflect and have these open conversations. But there's a lot of people that don't have it, that don't have that kind of thing, um, that don't know how to talk. They have issues. Like, for instance... My dad is amazing. He's awesome. He's the best his, dad his, in the world. His dad's amazing. He's amazing. And yet I've carried this resentment for my whole life and not didn't know how to mm. talk to him. So I've had, when I was seven to about 17, I've had inappropriate sexual things happen to me, right? Molested by three different people. Not until I was 49 years old did I go to my dad and say, where the fuck were you? Why didn't you protect me from this? 
this has affected me in my life in this way, in this way, in this way. Um, so I gave my dad some ground rules. All right, dad, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about something. You don't get to talk for an hour. And at the end of it, you're going to say, I'm sorry. You're going to say, I should have been better. And you're going to say, it wasn't your fault. So I gave him everything. You went after him too. You, you, you were really honest. Yeah. And my dad, you know, was amazing. He just received it. He didn't cry because he didn't make it about him. You told him he couldn't cry. Told him he couldn't cry. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't going to do any of this stuff. He was going, and then he received it. I gave him instructions in case he didn't know how to show up. He would have because he's a good man. But he did exactly what I needed. At the end, he said exactly what I need him to say. He meant it. Thank goodness. But I didn't care if he meant it or not. I knew what I needed. So the lesson I had learned and, and just men in, and, and fathers talking to their daddies is that we need to have the conversations, even if we put the rules in place so that we can learn, so we can let it out, so that we don't carry it, yeah. so that we don't then carry it to our children, to our boys. So I can do the same thing with my son. And I demonstrated to my son, he can do the same thing with me. Mm. And he has now. Daddy, you fucking up. Yeah. This is where you, you fell short. So that we can be, um, we don't have to keep doing our I, same I, things. I tell him when to say that. I call Mackie and I say, tell your dad that he messed up. Oh, yeah, I, I hope you so. do. <laughs> I need it. Mm. It's so interesting, too, because like when you think about it, the term like daddy issues <laughs> is a insult we kind of throw at women. And we say, oh, she has, she has daddy issues, meaning her dad was absent or her dad wasn't there for her. And it's kind of like insulting women based on something that a, that man a man did. didn't do uh, and, and like a failure of a man, actually. Um, and it's interesting how that's not a gender neutral term. Like, why aren't we as interested? And not that yeah, that's nobody's a good ever, term. Nobody's ever told yeah. a, a man that a his man daddy, that daddy issues. issues. Nobody. Right? Like, yeah. But from the data, again, we see that boys are more impacted, are more fragile, are more vulnerable than girls mm. when their fathers are absent. Yeah. So, And we also like, see we also see And absent that, not only in like... They can be absent completely and also emotionally. Yes, absent. both. Ex- exactly. But they exactly. also, there's a lot of men, there's a lot of fathers who treat their boys very different than they treat their girls. Oh, maybe. absolutely. And they like, <sighs> they like coddle and protect. They want to protect mm-hmm. their girls and then they treat their boys like shit. And like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to put you through the truck, you know, put you through the, the rite of passage of what it means to be a man. And you have yeah. like these completely mm-hmm. different, you know, parenting styles. Right. Right. I also think to the inverse, there's a big pressure on protecting girls and we don't protect mm. boys, right? Like we protect girls. And when I think it comes to the, the conversation around consent or abuse or right, like we protect girls from being abused, but we don't protect boys from becoming abusers. Mm. And if, and you know, yeah, it's this disciplinarian sort of approach but I think that's actually coddling, right? Like if you're yeah. not no, it is. talking, no, but to, it is. But don't yeah. you think? But don't you think we also don't protect boys from being abused? Oh, absolutely. In that one, yes. I mean, I mean, we oh, know the data on that, yes. right? Like, and I almost think that, I almost think that it's like there's a good chance you might hear from a woman that she was abused. Mm. There's a chance. I almost almost never. It's it's only until recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamie's different, but we have a few other friends who have recently opened up about it. But it's something that you go through your whole life. You don't talk to a therapist about it. You don't, you repress, you hide somewhere deep, deep down. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't talk about how many boys are abused. And how that screws us. And how that happens. 
how that screws us up. Because my whole, for me, my whole perspective on sex and women, yeah, with what I experienced at a young age and never talked about it, like that was one of the things I had with my dad. Like if you would have talked to me about some stuff, I could have worked through it and maybe not become or yeah. not had some Blow of these up. wires yeah. messed up. But um, so even just the conversation about it. But it was interesting for me, and not to center myself, but we just mm. didn't talk to my dad, to hear him say he was introduced to porn at 10. Yeah. Like, but the fact that he said, like, he never mm. talked to me about it. And I, I, it makes me wonder, would I have had a relationship to it if he would have said, hey, son, this happened to me at this age, and I want you to know what this is, and this is... You might watch these things, but like, that's not, that's not your, like, you don't have to do the, what you watch or, you know, and, and, and talking and who knows, just talking about just how talking. healthy sexuality and your body's changing and, you know, you're going to start dating women. This, like, it just never happened. So I almost wonder like, what would have happened? Like, what would it have been like if he would have talked to me about it? And I don't know. And it makes me, I'm not, I don't want to say excited because I'm sure I'm going to freeze and be nervous when I talk to my kids about it one day. Mm. Um, I mean, what did you say when you talked to, when Nack was? I'm thinking about it right now. I got a 10 year old son and I'm trying to think of, have we actually talked about porn? And or just, I mean, also I like if you sex. think about that, yeah, it, sex, he was introduced to sex, sex by porn, right? And so like and the you're shown that objectification of women and like, yes, uh, again, we're we do that. lumping, you know, hardcore porn and like there's some forms of porn that are yes. obviously Yes, not, especially but, the ones that are made by women now. And, right, right. You know, but there's a whole new movement around that. Totally. And that's probably not the porn that your dad saw when he was 10. <laughs> probably, no, he was right. watching 8mm or something with, right. a, with a family. I was right. like, what the fuck? What? what? How right. did I not know that until this? Right. And so, and so, yeah, we need to have that healthy com of, of like what healthy sex looks like and what, again, you know, mm. Esther Perel talks about this, that we, in the wake of the Me Too movement and Time's Up and, you know, these conversations around sexual assault, like there is so much emphasis on, on telling uh, men and boys what abuse looks like. She's like, we should also tell them what seduction looks like <laughs> so mm. that they know how to seduce. They know how to uh, approach a woman be very self-aware when they're doing it. Right. Take note of her body language, right? Is she interested? Is she not interested? Like those are things that are, that's the other side of the coin, mm. you know, that, that really needs to be done. And I think that's the conversation uh, that I would love men and their fathers to be, to, 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 yeah. to be having, right? Wonderful. I think there's a lot of conversations we need to be having with our dads. And at the end of the day, there's no one way to do it. There's no one way to have this conversation. And mm. this was me and my dad, and you might have a very different conversation with you and yours, or if you have one. and. And the idea is, can we just show that that there is a way to heal? There's a way to to take this stuff and have open conversations and um, mm. and be willing to like share stuff that isn't comfortable um, and not do it perfectly. No, nope, and don't do it perfectly. And uh, it just meant a lot to me that I was even able to have it. So thank you all for yes, sir, yes. creating that space. And and I hope you're inspired to have a similar conversation if. You're mm -hmm. feeling it because you know what? Even if you think you were raised perfectly, you weren't. <laughs> All of us are messed Who up. Who thinks that? I want to uh, find that person. Know. 47 monkeys, huh? <laughs> 47. 47 monkeys. We're going to have to talk about that one. 47 All right, let's monkeys. sign out. Let's sign out. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Man Enough podcast. I am Justin Baldoni. I am Liz Plank. And I am Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe and comment and share your thoughts or your feelings. Uh, At manenough.com slash podcast. 
Exactly. And wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And also, like, go buy Liz's book. Go buy my book. And uh, and have uncomfortable conversations. You can buy. That's where it all go, starts. Go buy my book. Go buy your music. <laughs> no, no, no. My, I, have, I have a book, too. You have a book, too? Yeah. How do I not know this? He no, doesn't <laughs> have a book. Have a okay, book. I just, he's gonna write he's one. Gonna, Canadian. All right, y'all. We're done. I'm emotionally spent. This is Man Enough. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter and Gamble, in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Mahotra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Kerry Rathode from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Annabella Casanova, Mateen McCullough, and Sage Price are our producers. Maria Fernandez and Nicole Pritchard are our consulting producers. Josh Snyder is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.